Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. in the basement it's all kinds of pirates talk it's in our basement (laughs) there's craig i'm chris winter meetings are going on they're really boring there's nothing exciting happening i want to poke ben charrington and be like do something like these moves that are being made too. the way that people are overreacting to them like oh look we signed a minor league prospect they're probably putting him in the rotation no they're not like that's not what is happening here look here's the problem most of Major League Baseball is sitting around waiting on Otani to make his move. Even if they're not interested in Otani, they have to wait for it to happen because that domino falls and then other teams go into their, their backup plans. Because we have an offseason where one guy is everything. Now, I don't get the, the Japanese pitcher, and I don't want to do myself a disservice trying to pronounce his name. But, and, he, and, and everybody's chasing after him from what I understand. Boston's after him the most, okay? But he's also a domino that supposedly has to fall in the pitching market. And then after that, then everybody kind of knows what plan B is if they don't get these players. And then they're going to go into those things, and you're going to see everything fast and furiously happen, supposedly. And teams like the Pirates, who can't bring a dump truck full of money up to a free agent's porch and drop it on there and force his decision before the market sets itself, have to sit back and wait. And they're not the only team doing it. Most of Major League Baseball is bored stiff this week. Yeah, Chris. I mean, you're kind of making sure. You're so bored. You're so bored. You didn't know what to say. No, I... You're like, that's it. Show's over. Show's over. Chris just nailed it. There's nothing else to say. Play the outro music. <laughs> like, I mean, because I mean, honestly, like, what, what the, the minor moves that the Pirates have made have no impact on their season this year. And, and they're, just, they're just guys they want to get a look at in their minor leagues. And, they, 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 you know, Charrington has to sit back and wait until he sees some of the market open up to be able to figure out, like, what is a guy worth? I mean, look what the, look what the Cardinals did. When the Cardinals gave $10 million to Lance Lynn, when Kenta Maeda got the contract he got to be a back-end starter for the Tigers, you know, immediately it changed the entire marketplace for pitchers. You look, you look, for example, that's why you see all these guys that are up like right now for trade proposals, and, and that, that would be what I, I might. If the Pirates thought they had a chance to win the World Series this year, I'd be trying to get a pitcher through trade right now, right? Because that's why guys like Dylan Cease are getting talked about so much right now at the winter meetings. He's getting talked about because he has two years of control. Everybody knows when those two years are up, he's going to free agency because he's a Scott Boris client, right? 
but he's got two years of control. He's a really good pitcher. And you take his metrics, you take it, you take what he is, you take the innings that he pitches, you take how effective he is, you put it up against some of the guys that have already signed, and he's going to cost you less money than the guys that signed. That's why he's so valuable. That's why everybody is knocking on the door of the White Sox. I think I saw something like more than half the league have supposedly presented some sort of trade proposal to that team. Who knows? Maybe the Pirates are in there too. I have, I have no idea. But but the, but that's the thing. Like you you have you have just a weird market where the free agent pitching that was bad got a bunch of money, and a team like the Pirates has to sit back and wait now to see where everybody starts going, and then they kind of have to say, okay, look, uh, a couple more guys signed, the big guys are out of the way, and now we get a clearer picture on what it's going to cost per pitcher and what's of value to us. Yeah, everybody's talking to to. I mean, pretty much everybody. I mean, before we jumped on here, we were talking about, you know, the Pirates finally being linked to a pitcher, you know, Jack Flaherty, that half the league, at least, including the St. Louis Cardinals who traded him away, like have been linked to. I mean, the Pirates are saying, you know, we want to give you a shorter term deal. If you don't get that longer term deal you want out there, then come back and talk to us. And it's not saying that other teams haven't said the same thing. I could see him getting a longer term deal, you know, maybe three to five years, but I don't even know what a shorter term deal is. That's the thing is nothing was really specified as to what, you know, shorter term meant. If if he doesn't get like the five-year deal he wants, come back for the three-year deal. I mean, the other part that people... I give him three years. I give him three years if the money was right. Yeah. I, I would give him that. If he's looking for a big, long deal coming off of what he's done recently... That's that's a big leap. I don't think any team's giving him that. So I would imagine, just based upon that that statement, that like we've offered him something, but he thinks he can get more years. I don't think anybody's offered him four or five. So that means that he thinks he can get more years what the Pirates are. He may think he can get three, which means the Pirates are probably a one year with an option. And I don't think you're going to get that signed this early on in the process, right? So they can they can say it like, hey man, we got a year and an option. We got to prove it. We got this. We got a mutual option after that year. You know, the, Mike Clevenger got that deal last year. Yeah. You know, a year with an option because he was coming off of injury and he was in a prove it year, right? So the so Ben Sherrington might be going with the same kind of model, and Flaherty might be saying, well, look at this market. I don't need to do that. I can get an extra year or two on there. People are going to be desperate. I could see it out there. My name is coming up on too many teams' list. So that might be something that they have to wait for. And I think that's just the process. You know, we as fans are spoiled not only by fantasy baseball, but also by video games. The idea that we can sit there and we can be like, all right, I'm going to build a team, right? I could do a simulator or anything like that. And we're like instantaneous gratification. And we're, we're spoiled by that. We're spoiled by the idea that we can sit there and say, if I give this, this, and this, I should be able to get this kind of player back. Okay. But you can't make trades. You can't make the trading partner trade with you. And and in a computer simulation, the computer knows where everybody's going to end up. In real life, nobody knows where the market's going to set itself. And that's why we're always slow at the beginning of these free agent periods. That's why it's always so rare to see something happening in November. And, and why winter meeting deals are such a big deal. Because everybody knows that they're rare and they open it up for more deals. It's like it's like watching a trickle of water turn into a waterfall. And these guys have nothing to do. These sports reporters, let me tell you something. I've already heard about what the big complaint is about Nashville. Have you heard about this? The hotel? The sports reporters are ticked. When they were in San Diego, there was one way in and one way out. They were able to get all their information. 
this hotel in Nashville supposedly has so many entrances and exits that they're just miserable because they can't, they can't catch anybody. They can't, they can't see the agent talking to so-and-so. They're starved for information, and they have to justify to the people that pay them why they're spending so much money at the bar at night. <laughs> like, I mean, they, they, you know, this is like their big vacation. They see all their friends, but they all need some kind of a scoop. And they're frustrated about the way that the layout is, even in Nashville, and how people can slip by them. So, you know, I, I think that's the problem. Everybody wants to get something out. Everybody's got to tweet something. We're sitting there in anticipation, but nothing's actually happening because if Shohei waits two weeks, most of us are going to have to wait two more weeks before we start seeing something happen. Yeah, and I spent probably at least 15 to 20 minutes, you know, while I was, while I was watching the uh, Monday Night Football game, basically looking at my timeline fill up with, with Eric Fady news which is not something I could have guessed was going to happen. I mean, he's a... That makes sense, though. He's a KB, He's a KBO guy. Yeah, KBO so MVP. hitter-friendly league. Right. Hitter-friendly league, he had a 6.7 win above replacement. Okay? And so, like, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. That's somebody... That, those are teams that are looking at him saying, is this Merrill Kelly? Is this what Merrill... Because that's what happened. Merrill Kelly went off, figured out what he was going to do, and then came back and had a great season this year. And so that's what teams are going to bet on. But unfortunately, those are the guys. It's going to be those little signings. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I don't know why the Pirates aren't knocking on that door. I don't. I don't know why the Pirates. What is that? Two years, 10 million is what it's yeah, rumored like, at? What is this? Why, why aren't the Pirates? Why aren't the Pirates who are in desperate need of pitching knocking on the door of a guy who's not a big investment, who probably if you gave him a third year, would be like, that's amazing. And if you spent, what, $5 million a year over three years and he just ends up being a guy that eats innings because he averages over 180 innings pitched, right? Yeah. Give me an innings eater at $5 million a year. Why aren't the Pirates knocking on that door? Yeah, and I, I did see the Pirates early. Like, people were putting that out there. But I think it's the, the White Sox and the Mets are the front runners at this point. But, yeah, I mean, that would be a – and here's the thing is, it's not a knock on Eric Fady. I mean – he got his like 15 minutes of fame here and in the sun because nobody else is really even discussing anything. All of Otani's things are behind closed doors because if anything gets leaked, supposedly he's going to hold it against the team. Uh, you got that, you know, a, another a Japanese player, I believe it was, was, was posted yesterday, uh, an outfielder. Like I said, it, but f for me, I think that the Pirates probably are knocking on a decent amount of these doors. Ben Sherrington on MLB Network said that they have had discussions about the majority of pitchers on the market. Like, I believe that they are looking into these types of things, but it's not really playing out for anybody. Like you said, the, the Cardinals went in, they got three pitchers, they got a guy back that was with them before that they liked, maybe threw a little bit more money at Kyle Gibson. And then it kind of seemed like Sonny Gray, you know, was looking towards that direction as well. Sonny Gray talked about, you know, the conversations he had with with Adam Wainwright, you know, kind of a good fit for Sonny Gray. And then you have the Seattle Mariners doing salary dumps and the Atlanta Braves filling holes where they think they, you know, the little holes that they do have in their bullpen. They said that they could get a nice you know, Jared Kelnick can be a nice like platoon piece or something. So they're like kind of finishing off their team. But for the most part, you know, Wade Miley going back to the Brewers, 
it's not like Wade Miley was a free agent, hadn't played for the Brewers and signed with them for like $8.5 million. No, it kind of seems like he was there before. He came back last year. He's a pretty decent pitcher. He's like, okay, let's do this for one more year. I, I don't really see the problem. And like you said, Chris, people overreacting to everything. You saw me put out the tweet. I, I reached out to Ethan Houlihan. Ethan Houlihan does a great job um, with basically the, the little rules of baseball and roster stuff that I don't even know. Jason Mackey had interviewed him uh, before this past season because he is kind of an integral part of, of Pirates Twitter because he knows those types of things. And I was like, I was like, Ethan, I said, it says, you know, contract. It doesn't say major league deal because a lot of these say major league deal. What exactly does this mean? And he goes, well, it's a split contract. It basically means you get so much money if you make the major league squad. You get so much money if you make, if you're, you know, you actually make it through waivers and go down to the minors. But for the most part, it's the same thing as a guy who was, you know, tendered a contract who's in pre-arbitration that it's a minor league deal with escalators. Think of it that way. Yeah. Minor league deal where if he makes the team and escalates up. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I think that's an easy way to kind of describe it. it Right. Right. I'm I'm looking at my Twitter feed right now and I can see the next thing that Pirates fans are going to be angry about. What's that? And they have a right to be angry about it because it kind of annoys me. Uh, According to John Morosi, MLB Network, the Cubs and Reese Hoskins have discussed one-year and multi-year contract proposals for the first baseman. And there's a position in need for the Pirates. And I, I think that the more that we see teams in the NL Central address needs, especially needs that the Pirates have themselves, whether it be pitching, first base, you know what I'm saying? Like, needs that we're like, why aren't we addressing that need? That's going to that's gonna up the angst and, and the disillusionment. Because I still go back to it. I don't expect your payroll to be out of this world. But I do expect you to spend money this offseason if you're going to convince me that you're actually trying to make the postseason. Because you can't just come back with the same group and expect and expect prospects to all develop and everybody to stay healthy and pitching to just work itself out. There, there are there are holes in this team that need to be addressed. And at this point, after years of barely spending any money whatsoever, you got to spend a little bit now at this point. Okay, you can't can't be a bottom five payroll, and then try to tell me you're trying to be competitive. And there's no reason you should be a bottom five payroll. When I can look at the Forbes list of Major League Baseball owners, and your owner is sitting right in the middle of the list. He's not in the bottom five. He's way up there. Got plenty of moolah. So, I mean, like, that's, those will be the signings. You see, you see him go to a team in the NL Central when you could have used him yourself. Those will be the signings that will tick off Pirates fans. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not surprised by that move whatsoever. I mean, they're... It seems to be that, you know, Cody Bellinger, I've, I've seen him linked to the Mariners, I think, most recently. Uh, but they have a hole at first base as well. And the Cubs are known to go out and spend the money, you know, kind of to fill those holes with, you know, we weren't surprised by the Cardinals. They weren't going to sit around and and be, you know, the last place team in Major League Baseball. I'm not saying that you know, these moves that they've made so far are going to make them contenders, but. Oh, I think they wasted $10 million. on. Them, so. <laughs> I know you I feel do, like they just wait. I mean, seriously, 
They wasted ten million dollars on Lance Lynn. I, I one year ten million for a guy who just gives up nothing but home runs in the last season and has been steadily deteriorating over the last couple of years. Who's at who's at the back end of his career? Such a weird early signing. Yeah, for that team. And like I, I you know, think I mean, like I, I get that Pirates fans were mad, but if you would have signed Lance Lynn to one year ten million dollars, you'd be upset about it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I definitely do agree with that. And I here's the thing is I mean the Cardinals not that not that I really like this player and I mean he's a pretty decent pitcher but I mean they have to replace you know Marcus Stroman and I believe they'll do that at some point in time. I don't know the Pirates. They do stuff that just I mean just irritate fans to no end. This one is definitely a little bit more irritating. Pirates fans are looking for actual signings. It's like, okay, we need at least two to three starting pitchers. And what do we do? We've made a bunch of minor signings. You know, we're saying, you know, at these winter meetings, it's Henry Davis is going to get to catch again. You know, Andy is a catcher. Jason Delay, we like what he does. And then they go out and sign Ali Sanchez and people don't even, you know, really understand what type of signing that is. But that kind of frustrates them. It's like, okay, the one place we thought we were shored up was catcher. And the first thing we do is go out and get a catcher, which you kind of did, but you really didn't. Did you think that was weird where Charrington was asked about who his catcher was next year? And he said, I've discussed it with all these guys and we haven't decided yet. I thought that was weird. You know, is that, is that just trying to get to like a competition? I th- in in spring training is that what he's aiming for there i mean i i think it could be a it's a competition for starter between him and henry davis uh, between Andy and henry davis but i mean i don't see it as a three-way competition i mean jason delay is i don't either i thought that was i felt like it was just we were just throwing in we were just throwing in everybody so nobody's feelings got yeah, hurt and, and then people are still and, questioning and like why yeah. you know why henry is gonna catch because he can't catch but then, I mean, you kind of see the same thing as like his offensive profile. If you have his offensive profile of what he sh- what he can be, and he's a catcher, then he's more valuable to your team. And if you're trying to build a team, then you know if you have an offensive minded catcher, that gives you like an extra position where you know offense doesn't always come from. Only with like you know, and he doesn't, and he doesn't need to be the greatest catcher ever. Yeah, because when the automated strike zone comes, and it's coming, all right his value will increase. Yeah, so, I mean, there's... And so, you know, that's the thing. You don't want to discount him. You see, that's the thing. I would think Andy's your catcher. And I would think you're giving Henry the opportunity to hang in there and get some catching in and continue to mature at it because the long view would tell you that at some point he may be a viable catcher if they bring in the automated strike zone. If the game continues to evolve in the way that it's going, there might eventually be a metric that says... I want to put that offense behind the plate. They can't rule anything right? out. I mean, like I would think that there, like there might be there might be a long view of him, but I don't know if he's the starter in 2024. I don't know. I I like that. I I did find it to be interesting when that came up.
you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the Y that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Zs, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. I don't want to miss the end of the show without bringing up the fact that Jim Leland is going into the Hall of Fame. I mean, dude. I don't know why Lou Pinella isn't, but I, I thought Jimmy Leland getting in there makes perfect sense. Uh, I, I never want to see Joe West in there. I saw him on the list. <laughs> I think he got less than five Honestly, votes. I mean, like, I mean, like I, I mean, whoever voted for him should be taken out back and slapped. Like I, like, like that guy was the worst umpire, the most pompous ass that you ever saw on a baseball diamond. A man who thought that he was like people came to see Joe West ump. You know, the guy with his his cowboy Joe West singing career and his weird calls that he would make, and he would insert himself into arguments and he would throw guys out arbitrarily, and he never had to answer for it. Like. The, the Major League Baseball Umpires Union may be one of the most powerful unions in the world because you can suck at your job. <laughs> and you just continue to have a job. I mean, Angel Hernandez, perfect example. Sues because he doesn't get to be in the World Series. And Major League Baseball proved in a court of law that he was the worst umpire they had to win their case. But they can't fire him. So he still goes out there and screws up games. And Joe West, and, I, you know, I've watched Joe West for years. And Joe West was a problem. You shouldn't know a baseball umpire. As well as you That's the him. thing. When you put an umpire into the Hall of Fame, people should see the name and go, who? And then somebody should say, oh, yeah, he, caught, he, he, was, he was an umpire for, for 25 years. And his strike zone efficiency was one of the greatest in the, in the history of the game, how he called balls and strikes. And you go, oh, seems like he was a good guy. He should go in. But you shouldn't know his name until somebody puts him on the ballot, right? I shouldn't have a visceral reaction because me having a visceral reaction to Joe West or Angel, or, or Angel uh, Hernandez tells you that they are bad umpires. And, and you know, I, I guess you could make the argument the Hall of Fame is because they're so recognizable, so you want to put recognizable names in there because they, they, they were a lightning rod or whatever like that, but you're rewarding him. You're going to allow him to give a speech, okay? You're going to make him feel like he it was a job well done, and that sticks in my craw. Don't ever put that guy in there. Don't ever put that guy in there just because he was famous for being bad at his job. Now, Jim Leland, not bad at his job, good, and, I, and, and my initial thought when, he, when I saw that he got in was that he, play, he managed many teams. But I always associated him with the Pirates. And that's coming from somebody who was not born in Pittsburgh, okay, who as a child saw for a time, you know, Jim Leland through the eyes of an out-of-towner. And I associated him with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, it, like, in, in my mind... That's what he is. I don't know if he's going to wear the hat, though, because he didn't win a championship with him. If it wasn't for damn Sid Bream, maybe he wears a pirate hat, right? Maybe he's wearing a pirate hat if it isn't for Sid Bream. Yeah, Chris. I mean, Jim Leland is is the first manager that I you know officially remember as a Pirates fan. 
as I got older, I realized just how, not only how good of a manager he was, but just how personable and just cool of a human being he was. I mean, any dude that can sit in there and like put down lung darts, smoke on some heaters and, and just like personify like Barry Bonds and him got into, it's like on tape in like one of the biggest arguments in like spring training history, him and Barry Bonds are still yeah. like best friends nowadays because he respected yeah. him. That's like a lot of the things with Jim Leland. I don't know what hat he's going to wear. I mean, I obviously still see him, you know, as, as a pirate, but I mean, I also saw him, you know, wear the Marlins hat when the Marlins won the world series. I, I, I barely remember the Rockies hat because he was only there for one year, but they were the terrible Rockies uniforms they had during that time, like the, the late nineties. So I do remember seeing It'd be him funny that. if he went in, it'd be funny if he went in with the, uh, the Rocky, the stuff. Rocky stuff. But, <laughs> but I mean, here's the thing is like I, the most recent thing is, I mean, he still works as a tiger scout. I mean, he was a, a great manager for the tigers as well. Um, but he still has the ties to Pittsburgh. He said, you know, during his thing, he doesn't, he's not sure what hat he's going to wear because he does not want to offend any of the organizations because it's not, do they let, do they let him pick? Do they let him pick? I always thought that the, that the hall picked, but it, maybe they only pick for players. I don't know, but I just saw something about Andre Dawson wanted to wear the Expos hat now or something. So I don't know if they, do they pick his, oh, he, he was the Cubs. Oh, or? really? Maybe. So I don't know if maybe they pick or works. not. I, I don't know exactly how that works, but I think that maybe as a manager, they would give him a choice since he managed so many different places. Um, well, here, here's the thing. Let's go through it just in case people don't know. Okay. So he's the manager of the pirates first 86 through 96, 11 seasons. Okay. He then has two years right away after that with the Marlins where he wins the World Series in year one. And remember, that was when the Marlins basically were built to win that World Series and then immediately collapsed afterwards. Like, that was like a lightning in the bottle, 92-70 and 70 season, where they go into the postseason, they go 11-5, and five, and they, they, uh, they win the World Series. He goes one more year with them where he actually, where the next year he goes 54-108 and 108 <laughs> oh my God. with the Marlins and he's out the door. Like, I forgot about that. I forgot that Jimmy Leland was with the Pirates and then in 1997, starts with the Marlins, goes 92 and 70, wins the World Series, and in the following year goes 54 and 108 and gets fired. I kind of blocked that out too. Or does he? Does he? Or does he leave just to go to the Rockies? I I, can't, I don't know what I don't know what the story is there. I'm just looking through his stats. But he goes goes from the Marlins to the Rockies. He's with the Rockies for one year in 1999, and he's out after a 72 and 90 season. And then he doesn't manage again until 2006. So he takes seven years off, and he comes back in 06. And he goes on a run here in his 60s with the Tigers that starts with an American League pennant in his first year, 95 and 67. And then in his second to last year in 2012, he wins the American League pennant again after going 88 and 74 in the regular season. He had a lot of years with the Tigers where he had winning records and postseason berths and then just got beat up in the postseason. Okay, he, he had the year in 2011 where he gets to the postseason after a 95 and 67 season and he goes five and six in the postseason gets bounced out and he gets bounced out the next year after an 88 and 74 season he gets bounced well no i'm sorry that's the one where he wins the the world series the year before he gets bounced out so he had he had he had a, a pretty good run with detroit several playoff appearances looks like four playoff appearances two pennants no world series so if you go off of just dominance and not just the fact that he won a world series 
he's probably wearing a Tigers hat, even though I think historically any baseball fan that's, let's say, Gen X or older thinks of him as a pirate. I think nationally. We'll always think of him as his first stop. That's what I believe. Yeah, and 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 I can't disagree with that. But like you said, it's I think that's where if he had to decide between the, I think he would decide between those two. Although he did quit from the Pirates as well, I believe he had a contract through um, 2000 and left because of some disagreements with management and how they were running the team. Just because I think yeah, I mean, he, he left and went right to a World Series, and he based I think he saw the writing on the wall of what was happening to the Pirates, of what happened to them after you know they made their their run in the early '90s, was that they weren't going to be competitive for a while. So I mean, you know, why would you stick around? Because you're just basically going to, you know, sit there and, and just take your lumps. And and he'd been around at least long enough at that point in time that he wouldn't need to do that. But yeah, I think that if he, if I would have to say, it would have to be between the Pirates and the Tigers. So, I mean, they could do one of those like crappy, like down the middle hats, or he could, I, I, I really don't know, man. Maybe he just wears a major league baseball hat into, cause he, cause he did that. But if he would have to choose, I know that it, it would upset a lot of Pirates fans. I mean, it would upset me a little bit too, if he decided to go in with a hat other than the Pirates, the team that kind of gave him his shot, even though he was, I mean, he was a minor league manager for a while, but didn't like have like the track record or experience, wasn't a big major league player. He was like kind of like the, I don't know if it would be like trendsetter or jet setter for the guys that, you know, were good minor league baseball players that that got to manage. Cause for a while there kind of seemed like you had to at least be in the major leagues for a little bit and then you'd then you'd get to manage. So I don't know, but congratulations to Jimmy Leland. Like I said, I Congratulations to a guy that never made it above double A who turns out to be like a very successful manager. Yeah. And you can't, you know, I mean, like, that's the other, that's the other thing. Like we always like, we always argue when we see managerial hires, what did this guy do? You know, why is this guy, why is this guy coaching? Right. He never was successful in the game. I mean, here's, here's a guy that was that from the time he was 19 years old until he was 25 bounced around to multiple teams. Okay. And never got himself above double A and was terrible and was out of baseball by the time that he was 25 and then starts coaching in the minor leagues and then turns that into just a hall of fame career. I mean, bravo. I mean, like, but, that, that, but that's the thing. Like when we always sit there and we see like, well, what's the qualifications of this guy being a hitting coach or what's the qualifications of this guy being a pitching coach or whatever? Like, you know, some that can't do will teach, you know, and he obviously had manager down. Right. I mean, he obviously was was good enough as a manager. You know, he's got a, he's got three pennants and a, and a World Series. Over over a, over a long career where he bounced around. OK. And, and as you said, he was like he was an old school manager, sat around, smoked cigarettes and yelled at Barry Bonds. <laughs> and, and did you see the, the the one thing I will say before we go here, Chris, is that he, he made me laugh during his his thing he was talking about because his wife asked him who was on the phone. And he goes, it's Jake from State Farm. I mean, just just a great, like I said, a great personality. Peep, everybody that talks about him talks about him lovingly. That's why, I mean, def, he definitely had the credentials to get in, but it always helps to have that type of stuff. You mentioned Lou Pinella. I believe he will get in at some point in time. Joe West better never get in. As my eighth grade football coach once said, he goes, if you're an offensive lineman, nobody should know your name. And if you're an umpire, nobody should know your name. If they do, more than likely you're doing something wrong. 
Exactly! Thank you! Brilliant! End it on that! That's... right! Joe West even on the ballot, that's crazy. It's crazy! Knock him out of the running, you can write a, a sad cowboy song about it. Ridiculous. <laughs> I see the changes in this town. They change.